the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, August 2nd. We realize our release schedule on the podcast front been a bit different this week. We've been going across all three platforms. This one, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast, trying to sprinkle in a bunch of different content as it is still a bit of a turning point in the season. Yes, the hard court's now officially underway with the City Open and then San Jose and Los Cabos on the ATP and WTA sides. But of course, there's still clay events going on in Europe. The Challenger Circuit now in full bloom, particularly here in America. We've had Binghamton. Now we have Lexington in back-to-back weeks. So a ton of tennis to talk about. We've been trying to cover all that. I forgot to mention World Team Tennis. I, of course, sat down this week with uh, New York Breakers head co- New York Breakers, New York Empire head coach Luke Jensen for a really fun conversation. We talked about his time at USC, his thoughts on college tennis, of course, this year's World Team Tennis and his New York Empire, who have now qualified for the World Team Tennis 2019 playoffs, what it's going to take for them to make the jump. I mentioned that Great Shot podcast. Matt Zemek and I did our top 10 next-gen WTA seasons of 2019, taking stock of all the young players 24 and under on tour, how they've been thus far compared to our expectations coming into the season, who's shined, who's fallen off, all of those wonderful things. So go give those podcasts a listen, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. And again, I keep saying this, but if you have any commentary, I want to know what your lists are. Are me and Matt completely off? Are we overvaluing, undervaluing certain things? Let us know by commenting, responding on Twitter. You know, I'd love to get into a back and forth banter. Earlier, I think it was yesterday now, I sent out a tweet, you know, with Alex Richard getting a win, making the quarterfinals of the Lexington Challenger. There will now be five University of Virginia Cavaliers from their 2015 national championship team who have reached and are now inside the ATP Top 400 in singles, just comparing the run those guys have had to some of the other great teams in past where they stack up matchup. None of those guys in the Top 100 yet, but obviously they all still have a bunch of time in their career to make that sort of jump. It's just been fascinating to see those guys, and again, it spurred a really great Twitter conversation. Those are the sort of conversations we hope to be having, so go give that a look. But with that being said, just going to be me steering the ship today. Max Rothman still on uh, vacation busy with work, doing all the things he does, you know, most interesting man in the world, at least in his own mind. Daniel Westoff, our loving producer, also getting a little bit of a break this weekend. I believe he's Chi-Town bound, you know, nothing like summer Chicago for us Midwesterners, so I totally get that. But with that being said, let's talk a little tennis because there is a ton of ground to cover. Let's start with the WTA today, and I'm going to start with the City Open and then work my way across the events, three uh, 125K or higher level events this week on the WTA circuit at the City Open. And again, I I had a really fun time earlier this week on the mini break with my little brother, but we talked about Atlanta, so I have not gotten to share my thoughts on this tournament. Going to you know, try and breeze through them as quickly as possible, uh, as possible as passable. Maybe passable is about the best you can argue for a lot of these seeds here, a lot of seeds going down, and that's really been the story of this tournament. You look at the top half of the bracket, Camilla Georgie knocks out qualifier Sasha Vickery, then is the beneficiary of number one seed Sloan Stevens losing first round to Rebecca Peterson, 6-2-7-5. Georgie goes on to beat Peterson, 3-6-6-3-6-4 today, solidifying herself a quarterfinal place. Just quickly on Sloan, 
I mean, that first round, she just there was no rhythm. You know, she couldn't penetrate the court. It really didn't seem she had no confidence in changing direction. She was just kind of hoping Peterson would miss. And you know, it's a first round match for Peterson. Obviously, that's uh, or for Sloan, that's not a terrible game plan to sort of work your way into the match, find your rhythm. But just nothing was working. No free points on the serve. She wasn't, again, able to extend herself physically in the match, make it that sort of match where she thrives in when, you know, deep in the third set, both players hurting. That's Sloane Stevens at her best. Uh, so a little disappointing, but great for Georgie to capitalize. Great way to start her summer run. You look now for her in the quarterfinals. She's going to match up with Zarina Diaz, who knocks out Coco Goff, a qualifier. Obviously, we all remember her fourth-round run to Wimbledon, 6-4, 6-2 in the first round. Then knocks off number five seed, Lesia Serenko, 6-4, 6-4 to reach the quarterfinals. For Goff, those fans, you know, disappointing not to see her make a deep run, but she is still alive in the semifinals, and that leads us perfectly to the next part of our bracket because she is playing doubles with fellow uh, next-gen American junior, I believe 17-year-old Katie McNally. Of course, Katie McNally, the younger sister of Ohio State, rising, I believe, junior now, maybe senior. Crazy to think he's that old. John McNally. Um Look, Katie's incredible. I, I think a two-time world double, uh, two-time Grand Slam junior doubles champion. She's made a couple finals in singles herself. In this ma- in this tournament, she knocked off Lin Zhu in the first round, six four six two. Then she beats fellow American Christina McHale, six three one six six three. She'll now match up with number four seed Sue Tsi, who knocks out Kristen Flipkins, who's been playing a great uh, world team tennis season for the Empire, as a matter of fact. Four and three, then knocks out Gracheva, uh, seven five four six seven six to set up a fascinating uh, quarterfinal match. Katie McNally, a ton of firepower. Obviously, see a player who likes to work a lot of angles, a, li- a lot of variety. McNally will have chances, and there's really no reason she makes the semifinals in singles and doubles here. I mean, again, throw her on the list. Her, Goff, Osigwe, Anisimova, so many talented young American women right now on making their you know transition, jumping into that top 100 WTA range. Katie McNally, just a num- another example of what seems to be going right at the USTA training campus down in Orlando. You look at the bottom half of the draw, another uh, All-American matchup here. Jessica Pagula, who's really had a good post-Wimbledon run. She knocks out Sinyakova, 4-3. Then Iga Swatik, 5-7-6-4-6-1. She'll now match up with American Lauren Davis, who knocked out Jeannie Bouchard, 6-1-6-2. Then survived an All-American matchup with number 3 seed Sophia Kennan, 5-7-6-3-6-4. I mean, you know what to expect from a Lauren Davis match. She's going to make it physical. She's going to track down extra balls. The question will be, can Pagula be patient enough to take advantage of the opportunity she's almost certain to have? That'll be the question to watch moving forward. And then again, our last matchup there, Kiki Meldenovich, who knocks off uh, Shelby Rogers, 4-4 four four in the first round. In the second round, a beneficiary of an early upset, Haley Baptiste, a 17-year-old wild card, knocked out number two American wild card, knocked out number two seed Madison Keys, seven six six two last or tonight I suppose. Meldenovich, a six four four six six three winner over Baptiste. I mean, for those who haven't seen Haley Baptiste play, talk about a shot maker, the power, just the way she plays. She can, if you give her chances, she's going to take advantage of that. And Meldenovich just. She played a smart match. She made a ton of first serves. She weathered the storm. She got Baptiste moving side to side, making it a physical match. Kiki Maldenovic, a top five WTA doubles player, always been a threat singles-wise in that top 50 range. Now with coach Sasha Bajin, 
Uh, would love to see her make a top 25 push because she's a tremendous player, a ton of variety, and she used all of it to get by Baptiste. She'll now have a matchup with Anna Ka- uh, Kalinskaya, who is a 2-6-7-6-6-4 winner over Monica Puig in her second round, or, yeah, second round matchup. I mean, yeah, for Mildenovich, certainly has an opportunity there, and it's part of what's made this City Open so fun is not only are there still great players left, you know, Mildenovich and then the Americans, Pagula, Davis, McNally. We've also got uh, Sue C. It's just, it's a wide-open draw, and that's when the USTA, uh, the USTA, the WTA is at its best when you can see all of these players having opportunities to rise to the occasion. All right, with that being said, let's move to our next match. Oh, our next tournament, this one in San Jose, and talk about top seeds still around. You want quality tennis. San Jose is a play to watch, and it's great because you have, or at least it's great for us Americans, I suppose, because you start your day on the East Coast. You've got all of this tennis in San Jose, or in at, at the City Open in D.C. You move across the continent as it gets later in the day. Los Cabos plays start. Then, of course, you've got the San Jose nightcap. You've got the Lexington Challenger mixed in through it all. Great time to be a tennis fan. I mean, come on. That's what we live for here at the mini break, and that's why, you know, these mini breaks end up going 30 minutes long, and so I won't do too long of a tangent, but to say, Alina Svitolina, the number one seed, wins her first match of the tournament, 3-1 and one over Kasikina. She'll now match up with number seven seed, uh, Maria Sakari, who, as we learned in our next-gen uh, podcast with Matt Samick, turned 24 and was no longer eligible, but has certainly had a great season herself. A 4-6-6-4-6-2 winner over former top junior Mayo Hibi of Japan, one of my favorite players to watch hippie if you're a colette lewis fan you remember that name a lot from the sort of stuff she used to write back in that 2011 12 range um but yeah sakari a three-set winner there her versus fidelina bound to be a great match and then you look on the other side of that uh, portion of the draw number four seed amanda anisimova a two and two winner over madison bringle anisimova the four seed at san jose are you kidding me from a 17 year old that is just Simply sensational, and look, she looked the part in her win over Brangle. She'll now match up against Shui Zhang, who knocks out Danielle Co- uh, Collins. Uh, sorry, not Shui Zhang, Sai Sai Zhang, who knocks out Danielle Collins, 6-2, 6-0. Uh, so both players coming in in great form. Neither's dropped a set. Zhang, a 3-1 winner over Heather Watson in her first-round match. So, you you're, you know, everyone wants Anisimova Svitolina, but I'd take Anisimova Sakari. I guess I'm really just obviously biased towards Anisimova, but great tennis available there. And then you look at the bottom portion of the draw, Donna Vekic, another player we talked about in that next-gen WTA pod, a 6-4, 6-3 winner over Victoria Azarenka. She'll now play American and former Stanford product Christy Ahn, who was 6-3, 4 6-4 winner over Alia Tomjanovic in her first round, then a 3-3 three and three winner over Elise Mertens in her second round round on the bottom half of that number six seed carlos suarez navarro a three six six one six two win over bethany maddox sands who had knocked off venus in her first round look that was a very interesting match the way suarez navarro broke down maddox sands i think she raced out to a six one five oh lead in those second and third sets if she can bring that sort of steadiness throughout against number two seed arena sabalanka who beats coco vandaway six three six three to advance to the quarterfinals 
She can knock off Sabalenka, who is, uh, again, Sabalenka, Mertens, all people we talk about in that next-gen WTA pod. But Sabalenka has not had the sort of year she expected coming off of the way she finished 2018. And Suarez Navarro is a tough out. It's pesky. You're going to have to make a ton of balls. And Sabalenka's got the firepower advantage. There's no denying that. But again, you look at this. You've got the two seed, the six seed, the five seed, the four seed, the one seed, and the seven seed all still left in this tournament. No matter what combination of players we end up getting, I promise you will enjoy it. So, again, perfect nightcap. You go out Friday night. You're a little tipsy. You come back. Oh, what am I watching? San Jose. Perfect way to, you know, cap off and start what should be an excellent weekend of tennis. All right, with that being said, let's move to our last match, on the, our last tournament on the WTA side. We'll head out to Germany for this one, for the Liquid Malay Open. You look at the draw here. Patricia Teague, who I believe since Wimbledon has made a final, a quarterfinal, and now a, uh, another quarterfinal at the WTA level. She uh, knocks off Elena Roos, 7-5, Ekaterine Gorgodes, I'm sorry, I butchered that horribly, knocks off number one seed Tamara Zidzanek in the first round. She then wins against Bibian Schufs, 7-5, to match up with Teague. The way Teague's been playing... Keep an eye on her. A lot of it's been on the dirt, but still, a player who's had a ton of success in this post-Wimbledon run. You look throughout the the draw, Stephanie Wagner, the German qualifier, taking on Jasmine Paolini, the Italian. You look uh, throughout again, Tamara Korpsech, the German, will take on Paula Badoza. And then you have, uh, in our last quarterfinal, Teresa Medreza against Allison Van Utenick. Vinick again, you look at this draw, Van Vinick, the only one seated player left uh, in the draw. Teague's been playing very well, so I suppose that's probably the final, if you're you know a betting person, to favor. But a wide-open draw here. It kind of speaks to the fact, should these sort of tournaments exist, I will always say yes, because, you know, give these players opportunities to play. But, you know, this was certainly a chance for a ton of players to get some big points on their resume, and credit to them, because they really have taken that opportunity. All right, with that being said, let's flip over to the ATP side. Again, three uh, ATP-level events in D.C., Los Cabos, and Kitzbühel. Uh, of course, Kitzbühel on the clay, so we'll get to that one last. But let's start with the City Open, a tournament near and dear to my heart. You look at last night's results setting up our quarterfinals. Stefano Tsitsipas, who would come in off of a 3-5 and first-round win over Tommy Paul, knocks off Jordan Thompson 6-3-7-6. Just quickly on Tommy Paul, his 6-0-6-4 win over Dennis Kudla, so comprehensive. You see all the things that, you know, remind you why two summers ago he was able to have the sort of success he did at Atlanta at the City Open. He just doesn't do a lot of things poorly. Everything is very, very solid. He moves extremely well. He can close out at the net extremely well. The ground strokes, adequate power, adequate placement. But just no huge screaming weapon, you know, for Tommy. A big serve opens up opportunities, but not huge serve. I just think Stefanos had had a weapon to turn to, his forehand, the way he's able to move the ball around the court, move forward, get you on the defensive as an opponent. It's a quality that Tommy still lacks. He doesn't have that one weapon to turn to each and every point. Again, he can counterpunch so well because he does so many things well. Uh, but for Tsitsipas, that's how he was able to get that 3-5 and five win. And then against Jordan Thompson, more of the same. Stefano Tsitsipas, another quarterfinal for him on his resume. Max Rothman and I talked about it. That's why he was our number one season in 2019. 
the consistency. This guy, to beat him, you have to play such good tennis because he's going to take it to you if you give him any opportunities. And that's why, you know, coming into his quarterfinal now, he'll match up with number 10 seed Benoit Pair, a 7-6-6-3 winner over John Isner, the number 5 seed. Isner now knocked off by Opelka early. Good win over her catch, but knocks out knocked out by pair in the round of 16 here still coming back from rehab and again that Newport title on the grass great for Isner in terms of accumulating points but we still see him rounding into form but Stefano Tsitsipas to me in that quarterfinal prohibitive favorite because you know a guy who's going to give you a ton of opportunities to attack him Benoit pair and I just don't see that as a good matchup for him but again with Benoit then he'll put you know his backhand versus the Tsitsipas backhand you got to like that if you're Benoit so it'll be very interesting to see uh, and you look at the bottom half of that draw, I mean, I'm not going to get into the Nick Kyrgios off-court stuff because it gets talked about enough, but on the court this week, him and Tsitsipas lost their first-round doubles match, but they look like they're on a collision course in the semifinals here. Kyrgios 5-4 and four over Kwiatkowski in the first round, 4-6 and six over Jill Simone in the second round, now a 6-2, uh, 7-5 winner over Yoshihito Nishioka, who knocked out David Goffin, 6-7, 6-2, 7-6 six, last round. I mean, for Nick Kyrgios... What is there to say? Tennis-wise, another guy, he can do everything. The most, Maybe the most live shoulder in on the ATP Tour in terms of generating power at will on the forehand side. He takes backhands early. He messes around with you and then throws in the drop shot, tries to lull you asleep, and then when he's blasting a 110 forehand mile per hour ball by you, you're just like, oh my god, I forgot he could do that. It's that impressive just the way he's able to hurt you. And yeah, it's undisciplined. There's a huge negative side to all that, but when you see this sort of outcomes from Kyrgios, he seems to be playing a more disciplined version of that explosive style of tennis we're so used to from him this week now of course you play Kwiatkowski Simone and Nishioka Kwiatkowski can hurt you but he's not a top 100 pro yet but Simone Nishioka you're going to have a ton of chances to attack and Kyrgios obviously took advantage of that but you look for him the draw now he plays lucky loser Norbert Gombos who knocked out Adrian Manorino four and six then Kasmenovic yesterday one six six three seven six Kyrgios is a prohibitive favorite to make that semifinal. And if we get, I don't know what I'd be watching closer, Svinolina, Anisimova, or Kyrgios versus Tsitsipas. I mean, that's the sort of tennis. This is why I love the summer hardcourt stretch, because with all due respect to old people, after six months of tennis, you're going to get tired. And you're like, you've accumulated points. I don't want to play these events. Let the young guys get their chances. And so we see so many. And 24, you know, Kyrgios not exactly young at this point, but just... So many 24 and under players get their chance to really thrive during this portion of the season, and that's why I'm so excited for all of these opportunities and would love to see Kyrgios and Tsitsipas take advantage of that, get a semifinal matchup. But even before that semifinal, probably the most quarterfinal, exciting quarterfinal of the day involving another next-gen guy, Daniil Medvedev, who beats Bjorn Fratangelo 3-4, and four, then knocks off a hobbled Francis Tiafo 6-2-7-5, matches up with Marin Cilic, a 6-6 six and six winner over Kopel, then knocks off FAA 3-40 and four yesterday. I mean, this is literally, you're playing a mere version of yourself. I would say Cilic, a little more firepower. Medvedev moves probably a little bit better, a little more consistent. Probably give uh, Medvedev the edge in confidence, but Cilic a slight edge in terms of serves. Medvedev probably a slightly better returner. It's going to be some really physical tennis, really big hitting. I mean, both these guys, this is the 6-6 and over club. There's no, you know, you're not messing around here. Uh, but this is going to be a high-quality tennis match. Definitely a pick em. Hopefully three sets. I think Medvedev, given his confidence, 
compared to Chilich's, given how solid he can be over three sets versus Chilich, who will start to spray if you can stay on him over the course of a match. I'm leaning Medvedev, but it really could go either way. And then our last matchup, uh, the winner of that match will play in the semifinal, the winner of Peter Gojewicz, a 7-6-4-6-7-6 winner over Andre Rublev, then a 3-6 and six winner over last week's Atlanta winner, Alex Dimenauer. This now a 4-4 four and four winner over Milos Raonic. He'll play on one of my personal favorite next-gen players, Kyle Edmund, who is a 1-4 winner over Lloyd Harris. Then a 4-6, six, 6-3, six, 6-4 six, winner over Joe Wilfred Songa. Man, if I could get Edmund, Medvedev, Kyrgios, Tsitsipas all in the semifinals, I'll be smiling. I promise that. But again, exciting week of tennis at the City Open. Certainly going to round out in a fun way. You don't want to miss any of that action. In Los Cabos, we've also had some great action, if we're being honest. And again, I talk about my love of young uh, next-gen Americans. Taylor Fritz continues his run since uh, pre-Wimbledon when he won Eastbourne. Did fine at Wimbledon, makes the final in Atlanta. Now a semifinal here after he knocks out Dominic Cope for 3-4. and four. Pranash Gunaswari in 4-6-6-3-6-2. And then number one seed Fabio Fagnini, 6-1-7-6. I mean, look. Fritz, we, we've talked about it. When he plays well, the match is on his racket. It doesn't matter who he plays. The serve, the ground strokes, the way he attacks returns, his game can be that big. And he did all of those things against Fabio, who, not playing his best tennis right now, but still, he's going to, you know, he's going to, he has the weapons to make Fritz uncomfortable. He has the ability to make Fritz move. And when you're making Fritz move, that's when, Matt, you know, that's when Fritz starts to get in trouble. He starts spraying a little bit. So still, Good matchup for Fritz. Good win for him. A continuing upwards trend. That's why, again, we talked about we were going to do the next-gen rankings before Wimbledon. Because we didn't, he was you know a little bit higher than he was before. And thank God he was because he continues to play better and better as the season progresses. And now he's got a very winnable semifinal against Radu Elbot, who knocks out Tipsarevich in three, Taro Daniel in straights. And knocks out Tanasi Kakanakis, who's coming back from injury. But great to see Kakanakis gets two wins here. For Fritz... A match against Radu Elbot, you've got to win that. Get to another final. Your third final in your past four tournaments, but your third final in your past three non-Grand Slam tournaments, that's a jump. That's the sort of stretch of tennis. Nicholas Jari did it last year. Christian Guerin did it earlier in the year. Again, if he can make three finals, win two of them, that would be insane. But to win, make three finals in a three-tournament uh, non-Grand Slam stretch super impressive if it happens so i'll be on the lookout for that on the bottom half of the draw diego schwartzman knocks out uh ernest Golbes, then mikhail kakushkin to set up a matchup with number two seed guido Pea, who knocked out dimitrov then next gen player sun Wu kwan who again quietly has had a great season we didn't get to talk about him much but he's you know in that if we did the rank all down to the top 20 next gen seasons now you're starting to talk about him because he's really making a the young korean player making a push into the top 100 um, yeah, it's look fun stretch. Would I watch Schwartzman Fritz? You, you damn right I would. So let's. I'm hoping for that. I'd watch Fritz pay. I'm just hoping for Fritz, obviously. But fun all Argentinian matchup at the bottom half of the draw. That regardless, I'm watching whoever as long as it's you know against Fritz. Um, but all right. With that being said, let's talk about our last ATP tournament in again as I mentioned. Uh, Austria, where native child Dominic Team comes in as the number one seed, now makes the semifinals, knocking off Pablo Andahar 7-6-6-4. He'll match up with young Italian Lorenzo Sanego, a 6-4-6-4 winner over Fernando Verdasco. If I had to bet, 
again, I'm taking team. It's his home tournament. I think he's looked very good. He plays this clay stretch for a reason. It's to accumulate points. Team's the guy. Would not surprise me to win. Maybe one tiebreak set, let's say... Six three seven six range, something around that. But I, I you know, Snego will stick around because he's got weapons. But in the end, I just think too much from Dominic Team. And then on the other half, we've got Casper Ruud, who knocked out Pablo Cuevas six three seven six, and Albert Ramos Vinolas knocks out Jeremy Chardy three and four. Ruud, a finalist in Memphis, he played really well. But I love the way Vinolas has been playing since Wimbledon on the dirt. He's been really confident. Could be a three set match. Definitely will be, you know, tight set, 6-4, 7-5 range. Definitely, which should be late breaks because, you know, both guys are going to be very competitive and have ways of attacking one another. I'll take Ramos Vinolas to set up a team ARV final, and then I think I'm going to take Dominic Team again, to win this tournament. But that's a, you know, a really fun slot, uh, slate of professional matches with all of these high, you know, high-seeded players still around in all three of this week's ATP events. So it's going to be really fun to watch. With that being said, one last topic to talk about. I mentioned the Lexington Challenger back in play. The possibility for an all-UVA final still alive. J.C. Aragoni versus Akira Santillian. Yannick Sinner, the young 17-year-old, versus Daku Lee. Uh, Lloyd Glasspool versus Liam Brody. Alex Richard, the other Virginian, uh, versus Alex Bolt. Really fun tennis there. We also on the Challenger circuit this week. Hyun Chung back in action. I believe he has advanced to the semifinals now of the uh, it's somewhere in China. I'm not sure exactly where they're playing, but a challenger there. So shout out to him because many of you listeners know I've been on the Chung train for a very long time and hopefully he comes back healthy. We saw how good he was in last year's Australian Open making the semifinals there knocking off um who he knocked off Djokovic before having to withdraw against Fed. But would love to see him return because he's another guy in the crop, I think, so dangerous when fully healthy. If he's healthy by hardcourt season, given how many fewer matches he has on his body compared to some of these other guys, who's to say he can't make a deep run? So that's the sort of guy, if you're looking at Bavada now, you don't bet on him to win the tournament, but, you know, they have, like, what round he's going to lose to. If he can get into the tournament, depending on his draw, that's a guy to look for for a few upsets, my little hint to you guys. But with that being said, if you, you know, you are feeling underserved, you're like, I need more tennis content to listen to. Be sure to check out our website, CrackRackets.com, to help get you through all of your tennis needs this weekend. Uh, You know the deal by now. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Follow us there, please. Uh, We would love to hear from any of you guys. If you have any commentaries, leave a review on the podcast notes. Uh, Again, because we want to know what are you thinking? What are the topics you guys want to hear as we close out uh, towards the U.S. Open, head into this Cincinnati, uh, Canada, Masters, Premier Mandatory stretch? Have to give a a shout-out to our super producers, Max Slinger and Daniel Westhoff, who, as always, have a an editing job to do. Uh, But again, one last time for my wonderful super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff, for our entire team at Cracked Rackets, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Enjoy this weekend of tennis. Get yourself uh, at least one, two, three of the finals in because I promise you'll enjoy it. But with that, we will see you all next week.